Welcome, everyone. This is Jeff Cohn with the Wall Street Resource, and joining me is Frederico Truco. He's the CEO of Biosaris Crop Solutions. Welcome, Frederico. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for having me. Oh, my pleasure. Now, for those that aren't familiar with uh, Biosaris Crop Solutions, can you give us a quick overview of the company? Sure. So, Biosaris Crop Solutions is a company that uh, was created about 20 years ago to try to develop uh, solutions in the space of agriculture that can help uh, growers improve the productivity of different row crops while at the same time uh, mitigate uh, environmental externalities that are often associated to agriculture. So as a company, we develop solutions to help agriculture transition towards carbon neutrality and and preservation of the environment while uh, keeping yields up and and in in a way making uh, food uh, raw materials affordable, which is uh, the, the other part of, of, of the Yosemite Crop Solution story. Today, we we sell in 31 different countries. We have a very important presence in, in South America, where we are headquartered. Uh, we do about $175 million in, in sales annually. And we are globally known, Jeff, uh, for, for two technologies, um, if, if we want to uh, narrow this down. Uh, we are globally known for uh, a technology that is uh, designed to help plants fix nitrogen directly from the atmosphere instead of having to be fed nitrogen through chemical means. Uh, this is done with microorganisms, a specific bacteria that uh, is using legumes to help them fix nitrogen from the atmosphere. Uh, and in that particular space, we're global leaders. Uh, we have close to 25% global market share, particularly in crops uh, like soybeans. And then we are also known for being the first company to have achieved a technology for drought tolerance uh, through biotech into two significant crops like wheat and soy. So those are the two elements from a technology and value proposition that are fairly unique to the Biosetis Crop Solutions story. Okay, very very interesting. So um, you, you answered a little bit of my next question. You know, I wanted to see about the competitive landscape and, and where you fit in because my perception is that there's a lot of much bigger players and, you know, what's your advantage? How, how do you compete? But it sounds like you're competing well. Yeah, it's, it's a very important industry. The, the ag input industry globally is about $300 billion dollars on annual sales. Uh, two-thirds of that is in the crop nutrition space with, with fertilizers, which are, for the most part, commodity fertilizers. In that particular space, we participate in a sub-segment that is worth a few billion dollars, where we are trying to replace commodity fertilizers with biological nutrients or biological fertilizers or with specific technology that can help us use less of these major uh, nutrients um, while retaining the same level of, of nourishment. So we, we have a technology uh, that is called microbeading uh, for microbeading fertilizers where we can use a quarter 
of the normal use rates of major uh, nutrients like N, P, and K, and achieve the same level of nourishment. So that's a very important technology, as well as the biological nutrition that I mentioned earlier in, in my presentation. Uh, and that is a sub-segment that has uh, much higher growth than the traditional uh, crop nutrition segment, and where obviously profitability, uh, it's, it's more attractive. We, we also participate in the crop protection uh, segment that is about $60 billion of this $300 billion that I alluded uh, initially, uh, not uh, in the development of, of chemicals, but in developing technologies that allow farmers to use less of the current chemicals they utilize. Uh, these are carriers uh, called adjuvants that we develop that can help save 5 to 10% the active ingredients that are otherwise used uh, of, of major agrochemicals for crop protection and, more importantly, in the development of biological solutions where you can use... Uh, um, a biological agent like a fungus to treat and control uh, fungi, diseases, as well as insects and, and other pests. And, and finally, in the third segment, which is the uh, seed segment, uh, that's a $40 billion worth segment, uh, we there participate with solutions that are unique um, in the biotech space in the form of drought-tolerant seeds. So, uh, you will see that uh, half of that segment is uh, explained today by biotech uh, events, uh, most of which are uh, have been designed to control uh, weeds or uh, insects in major crops. We have stayed away from that particular, uh, from those type of solutions in the seed space and concentrated ourselves in developing technologies that help plants become more resilient in the face of adverse weather events, particularly uh, dry conditions where water is limiting, uh, and also uh, make them um, sort of improve the way they absorb nutrients uh, in, in the coming future. So in each of these three uh, segments of the ag input industry, we're participating in sub-segments where we have strong differentiation, unique technologies. Uh, we see higher cagers than, than the average of the, of the industry and improved profitability. Now, what are some of the trends that make this an attractive business? You mentioned you touched on car carbon uh, neutrality. Can you go a little bit more there and, and some of the other trends? Well, uh, as the audience might, might well know, uh, today, 20 to 25% of uh, global greenhouse gas emissions are attributed to agriculture or the way humans use land for the production of, uh, of, of different crops and, and animals. And uh, we believe that an important uh, trend, uh, a decisive trend in the coming years is to try to minimize uh, that contribution to greenhouse gas emissions. So uh, what we have developed in our portfolio are technologies that help us decarbonize agriculture uh, by reducing the chemical footprint, uh, the need for uh, major fertilizers that are carbon intensive, and also by helping farmers produce more with less. In the case of, of drought tolerance, we, we have identified 
that drought-tolerant crops can fix and, or offset, if you will, 6 to 7% more CO2 than conventional crops do because they continue to perform photosynthesis for a few more days. And, and when you sort of concatenate and, and stack all these different technologies, you can have a very meaningful impact in offsetting CO2 emissions uh, and in that sort of help um, minimize the uh, impact of agriculture in the environment. And, and that, I think, will become a very important force, as we are already witnessing, uh, in the decision-making process, not only from, from the farmer end, but more importantly, perhaps, in the face of consumers. No? And this, um, this IP that you have, is it protected? We, we have over 200 different patents today that protect our portfolio. Uh, we have 300-plus uh, registered products. Obviously, the majority of these patents are associated to the drought-tolerance solution for which we're globally known. Uh, and not only we have the IP, but also we have gone sort of through the process of obtaining regulatory clearances, which are not easy and take many, many years today. This is technology that has already been approved by major regulatory agencies in the United States, in, in South America, in Argentina, Brazil, Paraguay, in Canada. Uh, so it's well-validated technology. It's a very important investment that we have done over the years. But it's not only IP protected, but today also uh, regulatory cleared by major agencies in, in relevant agricultural markets. Very good. And so what are some of the end markets? You mentioned soybeans. Uh, what else? Well, our most important row crops are, are soybeans and wheat. Uh, wheat is a crop of 200 million hectares globally. It's probably one of the largest, if not the largest, uh, crop in the world. Uh, we, we are developing technology for, for wheat uh, initially in South America, but ho hoping to expand to North America, Australia, Eastern Europe, and Russia, uh, which are very important wheat markets. And soybeans uh, that uh, are also very important, about 100 million hectares, that's close to 200 million acres, over 200 million acres planted every year, the majority of which, 85, 90% of which are planted in the Americas. And that is our uh, home ground, if you will, where we are comfortable, Latin America being a very important player. So these are the two most significant crops that we address uh, with our technologies. We also participate in other uh, major row crops like corn, sorghum, sunflower, and to a much lesser extent in some cash crops. Uh, but that is more of an incipient business uh, for us today. And, and then who are your customers? Is, is it the farmer or the or distributor network or, or what? So the, the uh, immediate customer are dealers that sell uh, ag inputs in, in different regions. Uh, we sell probably 80% uh, of what we sell to retail, retailers and dealers in, in geographies where we do not have our own distribution capacity or capabilities. We operate through um, nationwide distributors. Uh, so there might be one or two nationwide distributors in, in some of the countries where we don't have our own distribution force. And we do sell, particularly in South America, direct to farmers. 
10 to 15% of our total sales. So we do go all the way to the final customer uh, in 10 to 15% of our revenues. Okay. And then the revenue breakdown, or what are the top three countries that you sell to? So the most important is Argentina today. It, it, from a percent is perspective, is about 70% uh, of our total revenues. It, it used to be almost 90%, but we've grown internationally uh, in, in a big way in the last few years. Most importantly, in Brazil, that is our second largest market, and a market where we are growing at uh, 40 to 50% rate uh, year over year, at least over the last two years. Um, and then after the Brazil, there are a few geographies in Latin America that combine are very relevant, Uruguay, Paraguay, Bolivia, uh, and after that, the U.S. and some geographies in, in, in Europe and Asia. Now, is capacity an issue at all? Are you able to scale this if you given the orders? Well, we, we have invested significantly in, in full capacity for the products that require uh, manufacturing. Uh, we have, uh, in some of, of the categories, 50% uh, idle capacity uh, that we can uh, utilize uh, as demand increases. In the seed business, where we expect to see at least 50% of the growth coming uh, in the next two to three years. Uh, that is outsourced uh, as we place multiplication contracts with farmers that can seed for us and can be easily scaled up. So uh, when you look at, at the company uh, metrics from uh, uh, adjusted by CapEx, if you will, and, and sort of the, the amount of investment that has already occurred for us to uh, monetize some future growth, you will see that our numbers are very attractive because we we still have a long runway of growth to materialize with the investments we have already executed before we would need additional capacity uh, or additional capex investments. Now, now the three segments is revenue spread across fairly evenly, or, or how would you rank the three segments now and then a couple of years out? Is one of those se segments uh, expected to outperform the others? So today, the, the crop protection segment, where we sell adjuvants and, and some um, biocontrol agents, as well as third-party therapeutics uh, for, for seeds, uh, it's, our, it's our largest segment, uh, probably a little below 50% of our revenues. Uh, crop nutrition is a segment that has grown significantly. Uh, over the last uh, two years, particularly as we ramp up on, on microbial fertilizers, and today is our second largest segment. And the, the smallest sec segment is the seed and integrated product segment that represents uh, between 20 and $30 million of revenues, which, by the way, is a segment that we will, uh, will grow the most and where we expect 50% of the revenues to come in the next uh, two to three years. So as we roll out the drought tolerance technology called HB4 in both wheat and soy, we expect, expect feed and integrated products to represent uh, more than 50% of our total revenues. What's the technology behind your seeds? Is it GMO or, or what? So the drought tolerance solution is a second generation GMO. 
technology uh, that uh, has been identified or derives from a gene in sunflower that we engineer into these two crops. As you know, sunflower is a weather-hardy crop uh, that can sort of uh, be very resilient uh, against drought, and that is the adaptation we have basically transferred uh, to wheat and soy in the development of, of HP4. Okay. And uh, in terms of uh, these products, are they developed in-house or licensed or acquired or, or how? That's an excellent question, Jeff. We have an open innovation approach where we basically collaborate with academic institutions, uh, research institutions to originate leads, as well as other companies that participate early, early on in the product development process and discovery process. So most of the technology origination process uh, is done with uh, third parties where we have structure internally, a scouting team that actively engages with these different groups to try to identify the most attractive technologies. We then bring these technologies in-house, we quickly validate them, get them to sort of a proof of concept, and once we, we think we have something of value, we secure IP and scale that up uh, as we go through the different regulatory instances. So we are heavily dedicated to the product development part of the equation and origination by um, basically infiltrating, in the good sense of the word, uh, an increasing number of academic and research institutions that generate the original ideas on which we uh, base our R&D process. Now, do you, do you see yourself acquiring companies, or do you have the pieces that you need and want? Look, we, we have acquired companies in the past, and we, we can continue to do so. If we believe that helps us uh, leapfrog ahead in our collective goals. If, if we think that that is better than organically, we will continue to deploy uh, resources organically to achieve our final objectives. Uh, we, we are somehow agnostic to whether we achieve things organically or inorganically. Uh, what we are all, all, always very careful is that the sort of the return on investment, the capital allocation um, criteria that needs to be met for us to decide to go one way or the other, and at the end, create value for our different stakeholders, obviously shareholders up front, no? Okay. And revenue model, pretty straightforward? or? Yes, I think um, you can see in, in, in our company, a company itself, uh, across the different segments with gross margins, upwards of 50-60%. Uh, depending on the segment, uh, with an EBITDA margin on sales that's about 25%, 26% today. And as we grow, you are likely to see some operational leverage where that EBITDA percent can become uh, closer to 30%, which is where I think we can be in two to three years if we materialize the growth that we have uh, planned uh, with our past investments. So we believe we can be two to three times the company we are today as we roll out HP4 technology, as we scale up the idle capacity in our 
microbial fertilizer business and as we grow internationally in the geographies in which we today we have registrations and distribution capabilities. So um, I think it's a very attractive growth opportunity uh, in, in, a, in a sector uh, that is um, obviously today seeing uh, an increased interest now from, from an improvement in, in on-farm economics with improved commodity prices um, that uh, you might have uh, already seen or investors might have already observed uh, since the beginning of this year. No? Okay, Federico, what is um, the growth strategy? Is it just you know new products, new countries, or how would you characterize it? I would say it's, it's both. Uh, obviously, we are a product-centered company. Uh, from we've invested a lot in developing unique technology and a value proposition with a product that's well vetted. Uh, we, we are transforming products into customer experience, uh, which also requires understanding the business model that makes most sense uh, from a return on investment perspective to farmers, uh, and then. Uh, deploy that internationally. In some geographies, we are almost at the peak of our game, particularly with our legacy business, for instance, in Argentina and some neighboring countries. In other geographies, we're just getting started, like in Brazil, even though we've been there for, for many years, we still represent a very small portion of the opportunity we can capture. And in, in other geographies that are very relevant, like the U.S., we're just now starting to put the uh, the main pieces together to be able to replicate what we have done in South America. So expanding internationally, leveraging on our existing portfolio as we achieve regulatory clearances in new geographies, as we deploy resources to build our own capabilities for distribution and go-to-market, uh, are equally important to uh, sort of this constant pipeline of innovation that we're bringing to, to the market with an attractive business model that uh, tries to maximize ROI uh, for growers uh, of these major crops that we address. Now, any upcoming events or, or catalysts that we should look for over the next 12 months? Well, I mean, we, we are uh, continuing to execute on our baseline business. Uh, we have recently reported uh, a good quarter-over-quarter uh, quarter, uh, growth in our past quarter, uh, so we expect to, to continue to deliver uh, on our baseline business growth at a double-digit rate um, in, in quarters to come. We are um, sort of from a qualitative viewpoint expecting two significant approvals from a regulatory uh, viewpoint, one in, in China for the importation of HP4 soybeans that will allow us to fully launch this technology in, in Latin America and another one in Brazil for HP4 wheat that uh, would enable us to launch uh, this technology in Argentina that is today uh, the number one provider of wheat to Brazil. And also, 50% of Argentine exports from, of, of wheat go to Brazil and, and most of the wheat that Brazil consumes today comes from Argentina. So that's, those two regulatory clearances are important qualitative milestones that we're expecting near term. Um, 
and that I think Jeff in a way summarizes some of the uh, most peaceable catalysts that I can discuss with you at this at, at this particular moment. Understood and, and very good. Uh, before we go, is there anything that um, that you wish I would have asked you about, uh, or anything you want to leave us with? Oh, look, I, I think that agriculture is an, an inflection point where sort of uh, we have to transition from the agriculture that we have performed until today that has, has allowed us high level of productivity and affordable uh, raw materials to one that does the same but at a lower cost to the environment. We, as a company, expect to help in that process and lead that process through innovation uh, starting in the Americas, but then ex- extending to the rest of the world. So if, if, if investors are to remember one thing about us, is, is that uh, that is our purpose uh, and one that we sort of take very seriously. Very good. Well, thanks for, for taking your time and sharing the BioSeris crop solution story. My pleasure, Jeff.